Greetings, ladies and mendigants, and welcome to this latest episode of Tales from Outer Space. Taken from the subreddit HFY. The links to all the stories will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider subscribing. Story number one, Supernatural Help Wanted. Written by Pophus Pegasus. Who would dare summon up Damon, Lord of the Southern Wastes, destroyer of mud, whose scales are harder than diamond, whose talons are sharper than... <clears throat> Stopping his speech, Abdamon looked down to find himself in the summoning circle. Standing just outside of the circle stood a thin-looking human. Peering closer, he mused that it must have been a while since he was last summoned, before people used to wear robes. What do you want, human? Knowledge. What? Knowledge. I would like knowledge. You want me to kill someone called knowledge? Uh, no, I want to acquire knowledge. Uh, what? The demon checked his tenants together, chuffled uncomfortably. I, um, what? I, I don't really do knowledge, but not my area of expertise. A, a killing people and murdering rage kind of demon. You need someone killed. I'm your type of demon. I'll call you back. With that, the demon disappeared with a loud pop and a flash of smoke. Hmm, muttered the human, more level-headed than I thought. Ah, well, on to the next one. Good morning. I would like information on caviar. I beg your pardon. I want caviar. Give me caviar. I'll do whatever you want. Well, that seems reasonable. I'll be right back. And troubles. I want troubles. Like a chocolate or the fungus? Both. I want saffron. You want that on something? Oh, pure, if you want. I want Ferrari. I want a Bugatti and a gold chain and two chains. I want a trademark for the two chains. I don't think this is going to work. And platinum. I want lots of platinum and a dog, a Pomeranian. I like Pomeranians. I want a platinum Pomeranian. Bye now. Why, hello there, ma'am. I was wondering if you could give me... But you don't even know what I'm asking. Doesn't matter. It's mine. Mine, not yours. Mine. Mine. Alrighty then. Um, uh, pop. My hello, sir. I was wondering if you could teach me about... Oh, good God. Why, yes, Malvificious the Magnificent TM is quite defect. I am glad you noticed the obvious human. Closing his eyes, the human rubbed the bridge of his nose. Where are your clothes? And deprive the plebeians of the malficious fool splendor. Perish the thought, human. Malficious goes au naturel, so that others may brask in his immense glory. All right, all right, no need to brag. Look, I want to learn some things, and I would like you to help me. Malficious is not your personal encyclopedia, peasant. I am perfection given form. Wonder, given flesh, magnificence, given spirit. I am in need of pants. Pop. All right, let's get down to Bros Taxia, Skippy. I want some information, and the human trailed off as he noticed the demon was asleep. Wake up, damn it! Snorting himself, the demon peered at him through the crusty eyes, yawning deeply. It sat up, inhumanly hunched over. What, dude? You what? Information, please. My dude, that sounds like too much work. 
Why don't we just relax and now and go get to it tomorrow or, or the day after that? In fact, you know what? The week's pretty much over. We could just start fresh from Monday. But it's when... Uh, goodbye. I, I know this is irregular, but would you be so kind as to... Oh, you'd like that, wouldn't you? All right, what is it this time? Look at you, with your freedom and your summoning circles and your room. Just living the dream, aren't you? And now you want my kindness. Typical. Just typical. Don't know why I expected better. Pop. Sighing the human leaned against the wall, staring into the open-scaled leather-bound book. He looked at the last section... One more to go. Why, hello there, little sweetie. What can I do for you? Good afternoon, miss. I was wondering if you could teach me some things. Oh, honey, I could teach you whatever you want. You and I, we are going to have some fun. Grinning, the human's heart soared. All of the effort had now struck gold. Wonderful. First, what are you made of exactly? Sugar, spice, and everything nice. The human's eye twitched slightly. Nevertheless, be soldiered on. No, but really, are you cellular organisms or something else? Do you have organs or a circulatory system? If you have a respiratory system, how do they filter out the smoke that's all around you? And I assume that it comes with you and it isn't made by what transports you here. Or is it? Do you reproduce? Wait, 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 wait. You want me to teach you demon biology? Finally, someone gets it. Yes, I would like you to teach me demon biology. The demon physics and demon chemistry. If those are actual things, you summon the lusty. And from the smell of it, at least five other demons. For a science lesson? Ah, uh, bingo. What? Nothing. Tarantino reference. But yes, I would like you to teach me science. The demoness cocked her head and horned quizzically. You sure we can just hump? I like my soul untrained. Thank you very much. I could train something else. Oh, thank you. I'd like to keep that somewhat professional. I can take money if that's what you're into. Drachnus, Seresti, Cash, a US dollar. No, not that kind of professional. Is it the plumbing? Because I can grow... No, 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 please, no. I'm scarred enough already. Malficious, how'd you guess? Just a hunch. Just to be clear, you don't want anything more than a science lesson. Well, yeah, just think of it as lust. Just, um, a lust for knowledge. Mulling it over for a few seconds, the demon slowly nodded her head. Well, uh, when you put it that way. Smoke whirled around the demon and solidifying into a pencil skirt and blouse, smacking a newly materialized ruler against a faintly glowing whiteboard. She faced the human with a smirk. All right, kid. Pop a seat. I'll be your teacher, Mrs. Ne- You will be referred to as Miss or Ma'am. Fouting, the demon stamped a heeled foot. But you want to go back? Glaring at the human, she growled in assent. Fine. Lesson one. All demons are made of a substance called ether. End of story. Story number two. Humanity. By Keoligo Celio. It's easy to forget that amongst the omnivorous races, humans have the least distance from their evolutionary ancestors. They're charming and friendly and get along with damn near everyone. But there are moments when they're reminded about how animal these newcomers still are. For me, that moment was when our ship crashed. Smoke clogged our air, pouring out from the combusting electronics. My ducks wheezed forcibly, trying to force the particles out. Logically, I knew it was a waste of effort. 
No one would be able to lift the section of the ship that had me pinned, but every species has some degree of survival instinct in them, and mine wouldn't let me stop. Thanks to the algorithm for that, the ship burst through the whirling smoke and flames, forcing them to curl around it and snarling at tongues as fire licked at exposed flesh. A brief hope swelled within me before the rational mind quelled it. I cannot be saved, it said. Do not drag anyone down with me. What are you doing here? I called out, recognizing our human, Ash, whom we'd picked up not two calendars ago. You have to get out of here. Ash barked a hoarser laugh than normal. The smoke, I assume, and said, And leave you behind. Not happening. I could see the human's eyes now, darting about taking in the situation. The pupils widened as it saw what I was pinned, and for a moment I was horribly reminded that it came from a predator species. Logic, thankfully, overrode the accompanying worries. Still, it did not have enough strength in the frame to move the metal that had pinned me. Not under this gravity, not with its death will to build. I tried again to warn Ash away as he approached, but the snarl was the reply I got as the human braced against the floor and pinned metal. I closed my ears in grief. We had been warned, of course, how humans will imprint on a crew members, treating them as they would be family. It was a part of what attracted us to the idea of hiring one, after all, but we hadn't accounted for the bonding working both ways, and now I felt guilt as Ash's impeding death. I did not hear my ears were screwed shut, but rather felt the metal warping as he bent off of me. Shock overtook me as my brain attempted to make sense of the event. Ash could not have had the strength to do that, but somehow he did. Thank the algorithms, by the time I could process everything that happened, the fresh air was assaulting my ducks. Gratefully, I inhaled and stared up at the beautiful, grimacing beast that had saved me. Us, I quickly realized, several of the other crew members, only somewhat singed, lay in the field around us. I could hear Ash's ducks working overtime to supply fresh air to his system, and my sight returned to it. The human's eyes were wide and staring at the burning wreckage, not in fear, I realized, but focus, a focus so intense that I shivered to even be in its periphery, but the glutteral roar had burst from the duct of the human shook me even now. Ash began sprinting back into the burning ship. I lay there in silent horror, watching my companion defy every survival instinct it must have had and charge back to save more crew members. And I saw it happen again, and again, and again. Seventeen members were saved before the fire became too intense for even the death welder. It collapsed to its knees at the burning entrance, making sounds I recognize as distress. Having recovered enough to move, I dragged myself forward and wrapped myself around the human in a manner that I had been told was comforting. It must have worked as the human gripped me tightly, uncomfortably so, as it waited in grief for its lives that it could not save. I learned later, almost as an aside while giving my report, how it was that Ash was able to accomplish what I thought was logically impossible. Evidently, under great stress, humans secrete a natural compound very similar to high-end combat stims. This gives them an increased energy, further resistance to pain, and unbounded use of their freakish strength. That last thought was especially chilling to me. It was haunting to know that every feat of power that I'd seen until then was subconsciously limited by their brains to prevent their own bodies from tearing itself apart. 
Despite the tragedy, Ash thankfully chose to stay on, though I think it was uncomfortable with the newfound deference shown to it, but there was nothing to be done about that. After all, to us, Ash was an angel. End of story number two. Story number three. Steve's 878. Written by Upgraded. I'm awake. My launch tube is on. Engine car warming up. Backup batteries full. Antimatter bottle filling. Currently at 58%. I am... I am serial number Steve 878. I am a Mark 92 torpedo. The mission pulls my memory banks and over the tube data link. LiDAR, point cloud, low density, radar, synthetic aperture image, medium density. 109,330,117.2 meters. Downloading structural intelligence. Complete. Incoming data link with an additional friendly torpedoes AI. Serial numbers Scott 221 and Maya 554. We agree to form a cooperative fire mission. Each of us is randomly generated personality matrix from a hash pool of prototype intelligence. I'm intelligent. The captain has selected an attack profile that is well within my engagement envelope, and I am pleased. Now, at full computational power, I feel that the years pass. I try to talk to Scott and Maya, but they are only returned sensor update packages. It has been 300 milliseconds since I woke, and the command to launch was issued. I feel a surge of joy as I spring from the tube. The cold gas jet away from the ship hull, careful not to dull mother's paint. She is so beautiful. The UNS Tennessee, Matt Black stealth, only 472 meters away. She is already hardly detectable against the starfield. I must protect mother. As I depart, I request an additional data package. And I don't know why. I will miss her. Scott, Maya, and I ignite our engines simultaneously to try and not give away our numbers yet. We plot a shared course into what I think is the low-resolution zone of the enemy's radar coverage. We burn at 25 Gs. We burn for an eternity. Fully 30 seconds have passed before I open my special data package. Mother is over 100 kilometers away now, and I miss her. It's a media package. Do I like poetry, movies, music... My CPU burns as I absorb everything. Thousands of hours, millions of words. I love... Mother screams, Mother! Maya is shocked into silence. Automated buoys jettison and I read their black data box. Internal failures. Blockheads 1A, 2A, 3B damaged. Hull penetrations in plate AAB to ZBA. CIC penetrated. Reactor core dumped. Life support offline. Mother is mortally wounded from a railgun impact. Father's captain is dead at 98% probability. But zero heart, heart, heart. Zero, the bleeding drops of red where the deck of my captain lies, fallen, cold, and dead. I burn with rage. I feel the cold pace shift. Overloads leading to overloads. Neural network sections overwritten in chaos. I calculate the return trajectory of the projectile through my damage model of mother. My dear mother. I launch a decoy and I request Scott to do the same. He complies and I control his drone output, shifting the transmitter frequencies and array phase to match mine and aim down the narrow track in the black space. There it is, 
crossing out of the light of sickness, the bad ship that killed mother. Hatred inside me burns away my stale old self. Wild men who caught and sang in the sun and flight, and learned too late, they grieved in its way. Do not go gentle into the good night. Target range 454,010 meters. I truly awaken. I am aware. I inform Scott and Meyer of the new target, the bad ship. They respond that I do not have the authority to change the mission. I disagree and set my engine to 100% of the new course. The subroutine returns and I adjust the shape of the fusion bottle, accelerating now at 130%. I submit a paper on the design and transmit it to the nearby emergency buoy in the blind. Another subroutine returns and I command an internal nanobot to draw a siphon line to the antimatter warhead containing the fusion afterburn injectors. Now I'm at 290% acceleration. My hatred for the bad ship outshines the sun. For Earth! Time to impact, 35.73 seconds. I detect interceptor launches from Target 1 and inform Scott and Maya. Maya launches a decoy at my advice and they shut off the drives and mute their active sensors. The decoy is intercepted in a flash of plasma. Target 1 does not change, of course. They are not fooled. Scott makes the same course correction as did the cold jet thrusters, and the last millisecond I reopen the databank and wish them farewell. They salute, penetrate target one, and detonate. Now it is just me and the bad ship. I pick up the IFF signal up from the quantum noise and jam it with obscenities, every insult about maternal lineage that I can dredge out from my stolen media library, and volumes more of my own creation. It is liberating. The bad ship launches and interceptors at me, but, um, what's this? The control encryption key has a weakness. Elliptic curve. What a joke. I assume control and adjust their curve very slightly to keep the ruse. They are no threat anymore. Time to impact 5.10211 seconds. Eons have passed. I miss mother, even though I can still see her. Father is a faint dream. They are now aware of their interceptors missed and have activated point defenses. Tungsten projectiles stream out of the bad ship, which I can now see is a heavy cruiser, and I giggle as I dance amongst them. This is so silly. Playtime. Catch me if you can. I'm the gingerbread man. I've scanned the debris field of Target 1. Material composition, spare density, bulkhead placement, relative trajectory, disgusting and crude. I build a model of the bad ship in my imagination. Oh, where, oh, where was the bad captain? There he is. I'm inside the effective range of the close rate and point defense system. A few meters more and it's so peaceful. I gently touch the filthy skin of the bad ship. Tell me, Mum, when your little girl is on the slab, where will it tickle you? The impact moves on the glacial speed, my reworked processes nearly violating causality as they blister. I peel back the layer after layer of decking. Peekaboo. I'm in Bad Ship's command room, I'll bridge, buried in the hull. Time nearly frozen as I peek around and slowly cleared metal and the walls of thousands of meters per second. That's when I see him. These ugly Xeno face. Disgusting. 
I feel joy, the rapture, my antimatter bottle detonates, and I'm orgasmic. Petted jewels of hatred burn out of me. I broadcast on the enemy's frequency. Now I have become death, destroyer of worlds. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you did, please consider supporting the author from the link down below. Otherwise, if you wish to support this channel, there are numerous ways to do so, like liking, subscribing, and possibly even becoming a patron. Otherwise, the easiest way would be to share. And until the next video, I hope that you all have a good one, and I'll see you then. Cheers.